Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our walk series, which looks at different Bible verses that mention the conduct that we're to have as Christians. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Micah chapter 6, and uh, just going to read one verse for right now. Right now, Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8. Let's stand together, if you would. Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8. We'll get the context in just a second. But let's just read the verse tonight as we get started. Micah 6, 8. The word of God says this. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Uh, the, the verse is probably a familiar verse. You've probably heard the verse before. We've quoted it before. And uh, we're not going to dig too deep into this passage tonight. Just want to bring out the, a little bit of the historical context and the, the, uh, the content that you can find here. But then we're going to be challenged with just a simple thought, that God's desire in your life and my life as believers is that we would walk in humility. God wants his people to walk before him in humility. And uh, we're going to be challenged with that tonight when it says that phrase, to walk humbly. Really, it's, it's mentioned that way here, but it's spoken about all throughout Scripture, and we'll see why in just a second. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Why don't you take just a minute and just, um, just commit the, the, the evening to the Lord and ask God to speak to your heart tonight. Ask him to maybe show you something about pride and humility that you haven't seen before. And then make the decision tonight that as God speaks to you, that you're going to listen to him, you'll respond to him. Lord, I come before you and just thank you for the word of God. And I thank you, Lord, for how good you are to speak to us and to give us your word. And Lord, I just want to come before you and pray that you would capture our hearts tonight and our attention. And Lord, I pray that as we go through the, uh, the time here in your word, God, that you'd teach us some uh, new thoughts or remind us of some old thoughts about pride and humility. And Lord, your desire for your people to walk and find blessing and grace in walking in humility. And so Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight be with every heart here. God, I pray that if there's uh, one here or two here or some here, Father, that are just have a rough week and need some encouragement, that tonight's message would be a help to them. That there, if there's some that are having a little bit of a hard heart, Lord, that you'd help them. And God, others may be coming in just looking for the encouragement, that you'd give that to them tonight. Lord, each one of us, just speak to us and help us to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You go to be seated. As you come to the book of Micah, um, who do you think wrote the book of Micah? Okay, good. Uh, Micah would be the one who wrote the book of Micah. He was actually um, the, a contemporary of Isaiah. And so when you read the book Isaiah, you can know that Isaiah and Micah lived around the same time. Um, 
they, they both prophesied, Micah specifically prophesied during the years or the reigns of King Jotham, King Ahaz, and King um, Hezekiah. And so Micah was a prophet during that time, during those years. And his main ministry, of course, during this time, if you go into Israel's history, we remember that Israel had split into two kingdoms. The kingdom of the north was known as the northern kingdom or Israel. The kingdom of the south was known as the southern kingdom or the kingdom of Judah. Micah was a prophet mainly for the kingdom of Judah, but specifically to a region within that Judean kingdom, which we would know as Samaria. So he really prophesied a lot about Samaria and to Samaria and the Samaritans, who still were God's people at the time, uh, and we would just call it that Samaria region. We're not going to get into the entire book tonight, but I want us just to get a glimpse of what's being said as you come to Micah 6.8. And here's why. Micah 6.8 can often uh, be looked upon kind of as a standalone verse. Okay? So a lot of people can look at Micah 6.8 and they quote it. He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what hath the Lord require of thee but to do justly and walk hum- or, uh, love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And they kind of make it as a statement. All right? But I want you to notice something. What's at the end of the verse? The very end, what is the, what is the, the mark after the word God? A question mark. Okay, it's a question mark. Most people, you know, kind of look over that. Well, why is that? And and, uh, while we know that some of the grammatical things weren't necessarily inspired, it's all because of the way it was written. In the Hebrew language that it's written in, it's kind of an inflection of this is kind of a question. Well, why is this a question? I'm going to show you why. Go to verse number one. Go to verse number one, and I want us to read this. Micah chapter six and verse number one, notice what is written. Hear ye now what the Lord saith. All right, I'm about to, I'm about to give you something. I want you to hear it. Well, what, what do we need to hear, Micah? Arise, contend thou before the mountain, and let the hills, let the hills hear thy voice. Well, what are you saying, Micah? I'm giving you, Micah's saying to these people, the people of God, I'm giving you a chance to speak. What should we speak? Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. What will he plead? He will plead this. O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Now look up here. When you look at that verse in verse number three, here's what the Lord is saying. Uh, uh, Micah's saying, he's saying, hey, Israel, you have a chance to respond to the question that's about to be asked. Well, what's the question? The question's from God, and here's the question. What have I done to you? That's God asking the question. You see it there in verse number three? Oh, my people, what have I done unto thee? Hey, what have I done unto you? Wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. You know, you know what God is doing? He's calling out the children of Israel because the children of Israel, what have they done? Why would he be calling them out? Look at verse number four. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted and what Balaam, the son of Beor, uh, answered him from Shittim unto uh, Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewith shall I come before you and, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I uh, come before him with burnt offerings? Now it's Micah speaking again with calves of a year old and rehearsing the things of Balak and Balaam. And I'm not going to get into all the historical thoughts about this, but here's what's going on. 
The children of Israel had a problem that you can look and find all the way back from when they first came into the promised land in the book of Joshua. Once the children of Israel came into the promised land, was their relationship with God steady or not steady? It was not steady. It was inconsistent, wasn't it? It was very up and down. <clears throat> a lot of people will look at it, and, and we've looked at it before, our whole series through the book of Judges, as to some reasons why their relationship with the Lord was up and down. Why was it up and down? Well, they didn't drive out the inhabitants or destroy the inhabitants. We've talked about that. Why was it up and down? Well, it was up and down because they didn't teach their kids of the, uh, the, the uh, ways of the Lord and who God was. But really, if you break it down and you get to the root of the of the Israelites' problem, it was pride. It was pride. And you can go, we don't have the time, we do not have the time to go through, and I'm thinking about preaching a series through Micah uh, sometime next year. So, so we'll do that, so stay tuned, all right? But we don't have the time to go through and discover all of this, but the children of Israel, their problem with God was pride. They were walking in pride. They were living in pride. They would humble themselves before the Lord and then they would receive blessing and then once again, they'd be lifted up in pride. And God, time and time again, go read First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles and you will discover God humbling the kings time and time and time again and saying, thy pride hath lifted thee up. What are you doing? And so this is the Lord through Micah saying this to Israel. Hey, listen, what, what have I done again? What have I done against you? You've been all these years of wandering. And again, Micah's rehearsed a lot of these things. But I haven't done this. I haven't harmed you. No, you've harmed you. Well, how? Your pride. Can I tell you this thought as we get into our, our, our notes tonight? That pride has always been a problem. It's always been a problem for God's people. He's saying, God is saying to them, hey, speak against me because your problem is not with me. Your problem is with you. You keep getting caught up with you. And then you move into verse number eight. It's instructions that the children of Israel already know. Hence the question mark. Hey, don't you know? Don't you remember what God has given you? Hey, go back to Chronicles. Hey, go back to, and you can go through all of these things. And again, we'll, we'll get into this in our series in Micah next year. But you come to these instructions and Micah is really giving it as a statement with kind of a little bit of a question there at the end. Like, don't you know this? What's God told you before? Well, God's told you to do justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Don't you know that? If you look into scripture, God continually challenges people, challenges his people with the idea of walking in humility before him. We see the phrase right here, walk humbly. And tonight I wanna to take just a few minutes. I wanna understand what the Bible means when it says that the child of God is to walk humbly humbly. In order for us to be helped with walking in humility tonight, we need to understand a few thoughts about pride. There's a lot of definitions about pride out there. We're not going to look through all of those things, but we're going to see a few of them in the Word of God. But let me give you a couple thoughts tonight before we get to, get to our notes. Can I tell you that every single person deals with pride? Every person deals with pride. Most people won't admit they deal with pride but we all deal with it. 
Pride is and can be, when you go to the book of Corinthians, one of the strongholds in a Christian's life is the, the heart of pride. I personally believe that pride is the root of just about every sin. And, and I, I believe that. I believe that the, the root of covetousness is pride. The root of murder is pride. The root of uh, thievery, stealing is pride. I believe that. And I think pride is the root sin of, of Satan, right? You said, I will be lifted up like the most high. The book of Isaiah recounts that for us. And so pride, it has always been a problem. And it, can I just help us tonight? It's, it's gonna continue to be a problem. You're, you're never gonna hit a point where you just have a handle on pride. Every one of us will always, until the day we die, we will deal with pride in our flesh. But there's victory over it. And the victory is found in this phrase, walk humbly. We're going to see some thoughts about it. I want you to take your Bible tonight and grab your handout. First of all, notice what I'm calling some symptoms of pride. Some symptoms of pride. What are some traits of pride that I can see? And why don't you take a minute and let's just go through. We're just going to go through a number of verses and different things. And they're on your handout. You can look them up later if you'd like. But I want us to see tonight, first of all, that people with pride, or pride usually shows itself through the spirit of contention. People with pride, they're contentious. Well, how do we know this? Solomon, the proverb, the, the, the great proverb writer, said in, in Proverbs 13.10, only by pride cometh, what's the word? Contention. Only by pride cometh contention. Hey, if there's contention in any relationship, pride is at the root. Oh, yeah, I know. They're super proud. No, no, it's probably your heart too. I believe that when there's pride, there's contention. Why do you believe that? Because the Bible says it. Only by pride cometh contention. If there's fighting in a marriage, pride on both people. If there's fighting or infighting between friends, pride on both people. Pride, only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs 28, 25, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Pride stirs it up. People who are living in pride, they're usually fighters, not maybe a fist-to-fist fight, but they're the ones who are easily drawn to controversy. Argumentative spirit, they're contentious. People drawn to pride are usually easily angered. Pride is easily angered. Proverbs 21, 24, proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. Most people who are easily given over to pride are easily angered. It's just a fact of the matter. It's because they've been slighted and they feel they deserve better. Well, they're not seeing it my way. And, and we live with this easily anger, easily agitated. You've been around people like that and I have too. And some people, listen, some folks, their anger shows up in outbursts. Anybody never known someone like that? Man, they show up in outbursts that their anger is, I can't, and they yell and throw things. You know, that's some people. Other people, their anger shows up in becoming an introvert to the point of detriment. Their anger shows up with, it's not outbursts. It's not the outpouring of anger. It's the anger of the heart that, that just stirs, and it's like that. It's like a boiling pot within them. And you've known people like that. And usually it, come, it culminates to a moment and that moment might be a moment of exploding or it might be a moment of crying or it might be a moment of, of uh, something going out, but it's not gonna be a huge 
all the time thing. It's going to be built up, boiling inside until finally it just, it just bursts. Well, why does a person do that? Because of anger. Well, why are they getting angry? Because they're proud, easily angered. Third, I want you to see that those who deal with pride, pride is consumed with self. And I'm not talking about Brian or Samantha. <laughs> Brian right now has this little quote. He's like, my wife is full of self. And because uh, she's expecting, you pray for Samantha. She's due any day. Consumed with self. Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm 10.3 says, For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. Proverbs 14.14, 14, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. The backslider in heart filled with his own ways. Listen, those with pride... They're filled with themselves. The wicked, what do they do? They boast of his own heart's desire. It's completely selfish content in their life. Number uh, four, letter D right there. I want you to see that those who deal with pride, pride, it always desires to come out on top. Pride desires to come out on top. Psalm 119, 78, let the proud be ashamed for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. The psalmist writing saying, listen, they should be ashamed. Why? Because they dealt perversely. The word perversely, it means to uh, induce fault, to try to uh, make somebody out, to shame somebody else. And that's the direction that a pride person does. They want to come out on top. They want to have the better story. They want to have the better angle. They don't want to, they want, they don't want to defer they want to put themselves up. That's that heart of pride. Along that, pride comes along and pride puts others down. Because it wants to be on top, it puts others down. Psalm 119, 122, be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. The word oppress there, it means to drive down. It means to defraud or to crush, to press upon is what that word oppress means. And that's what the proud do. They push others down to lift themselves up. Letter F, what else does pride do? Pride, it does not receive reproof. Symptoms of pride, we're talking through this. What does it do? Those dealing with pride, they don't receive reproof. Proverbs 14, 3, in the mouth of, a foolish, of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Uh, speaking of the mouth, but the fool in the book of Proverbs is one who doesn't receive rebuke. Proverbs 15, 5, a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Proverbs 15, 10, correction is grievous, grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Listen, a proud person... They, they have this spirit, and I want to caution, caution us against this because every one of us can do it. They have the spirit of being not teachable. Not teachable. This is the person who's, well, that's just, this is, this is the way I've always done it. I'm just set in my ways. Well, you can't, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, you've heard that. I've heard people say that. Well, I'm sorry, Pastor, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, that's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about a believer. Man, I should, there should be some reproof there. Somebody should be able to come up to you at times. And, and I hope there are people in your life that you let do this, that you give entrance into your life to come up and say, hey, I just want to challenge you on something. Hey, I want to, I want to reprove you on something. I want to show you an area of your life that I see that you can't that's going to help you. And you know what? I don't like those moments. 
There's people that are close to me that have access to me and, and do that, and specifically Hannah. And she's one that I've, years ago, I gave her permission, hey, I want you to help me. I want you to, to, to come up to me and let me know, hey, there's this, here's, here's what's going on. And man, there's been times where she's come up to me and she said, honey, hey, I know, you, I know you didn't mean it this way, but in that conversation with them, you said this. And, and I go, no, no, I didn't. And she goes, yeah, you did. I, I know you didn't mean it like that, but babe, they might have taken it this way. And I go and maybe I have to go to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry. And they go, man, I'm so glad you said something. I really took that. And uh, man, I, I'm glad that my wife would say that to me, but I don't want to ever, there are times though that I'm like, I don't want to hear it. You know, and, hey, no, it's not me, it's you. You heard it wrong. You know, what is that? It's pride. Pride doesn't receive reproof. Once you notice the next one, letter F, pride does not receive reproof. Letter G, pride lives. Those who are dealing with pride, they lived and they're deceived their own heart. Pride deceives their own heart. <clears throat> Obadiah 3, it says, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. The person who struggles with pride is often the last one to see it. My, uh, when I landed today, um, got to go to lunch with my sister right there by the airport, just went to Taco Bell and met up. And we were talking about people we know who are just really dealing and going through some trials and different things and, and, uh, and have just kind of begun to believe their own lies. And that happens in people's lives. That, that we, be, we lie to ourselves so much that we believe our own lies. Well, why does that happen? Pride. Pride's at the root of that, that I, I, I can't possibly be wrong here and deceiving our own heart. Go through these real quick. Letter H, those who live in pride, they're never at fault. That's not my fault. That's not my fault. No, that's you. And they're constantly shifting the blame. So much going on about that. Let's hurry this up. A letter I right there, pride only looks to God when needed. Those who deal with pride, they only look to God when it's needed or expected to or forced to. This person, uh, they, uh, they lean toward pride. They may, they may even be at church all the time, but they lean toward pride and they don't look to God all of the time. They just look to God when they need to. It's kind of like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were lifted up in their own heart. At the root of everything, pride is simply these, these folks, letter J, they're just self-focused. Pride is people who are constantly focused on themselves. Most people struggling with pride are focused on their hearts, their ideas, their ways, their arguments, their thoughts, their game plan, their solution. It's never outward, hey, what do you think? It's never a, a team mentality in the workplace. In the family, it's never a couple, we're a team together. It's don't you know I'm the man or don't you know God gave me to you as the help meet? And, and in, the in friendships, it's well, I'm older, well, I'm this, well, I'm that, and, and those things going on. And we just need to understand that pride at the root is just simply self-focused. All right, so what are symptoms of pride? We go through all of those. But I want you to take secondly tonight, let's notice what we're calling the Savior's thoughts on pride. Man, what's, what's God think about that? What does God think about pride? Very quickly, let's just go through these. Letter A, we read in the word of God that pride, pride is shameful. Pride is shameful. Proverbs eleven two: when pride cometh, then cometh shame. 
or with the lowly is wisdom. Pride always ends in disgrace. It may not end in disgrace in that specific situation, but a proud heart, and we'll see this in a second, a proud heart will be humbled, either now or in eternity, but a proud heart will be humbled. Pride always ends in shame. It ends, pride is shameful. Uh, Letter B right there, pride is hated. Hated by who? By God. Proverbs 16, five, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. That verse confused me for a long time. Though hand join in hand, what's it talking about? Even though you're a child of God and walking with him hand in hand, God will still punish pride. He, he just does that. Why? Because he, he's gonna correct and chasten whom he loves. And so pride, it's, it's hated by the Lord. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. It goes through seven things. You know what the very first one is? A proud look. And God says, I hate it. That's abomination to me. Pride is hated. Pride always ends with humility. I said that a second ago. Pride always ends in humility. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low. Hey, a man's pride, it is going to bring him low. It is going to end in humility one way or another. God promises it. It may never be at a time for you to see, but God said it'll take place and you can take God to the bank on his word that it will happen. Pride always ends in humility. Letter D, pride is rejected by God. Pride is stiff-armed by God. You have it there on the very bottom of the handout. We'll see it in a moment. God resisteth the proud. Man, he resists it. I don't know about you, but I preached last night. Maybe you remember the message I preached on Shamgar out of Judges chapter three and and giving God what's in your hand. I preached that message last night. And one of the very first thoughts in the whole message is that the children of Israel during Shamgar's day, they thought they needed deliverance from the Philistines, but what they really needed was God to show up. They kept turning their backs on God. Those of you that remember the series, you know, five months ago, something like that. You know what we need to realize is that our number one need in life is God. Christian, you you need God tomorrow morning in your life, directing your steps, giving peace to your mind, strengthening your heart, directing your conversation. Like you and I need that. We, We need, we need God. Say that with me. Say, I need God. Ready? Man, I hope you mean that. You say it with me, but I hope you'll say it in the morning. Man, God, I need you today. But here is a surefire way of getting God not to walk with you. Walk in pride. God says, I'll resist it. And I'm I'm not gonna touch that with a 10-foot pole. That's the saying, right? Man, I'm not gonna be near that. And when your heart is lifted up in pride, God says, hey, I'm your savior and I live inside of you, but I am not in control here. You are. You're letting your pride consume you. And I, that, that one right there is a hard one to me. Pride is rejected by God. Anytime I'm walking in pride, you know what I can know? I can know God's going stiff arm. It's a hard one. Letter E, pride is sin. Flat out, pride is just sin. Proverbs 21, verse number four, and high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. You know, that's, that's pretty plain, isn't it? It's pretty clear, isn't it? God just says, hey, you wanna know what pride is? It's sin. What'd Jesus die for? Sin. He died for his love for you, but what nailed him to the cross? Sin. 
You know what that means? That means that your pride and my pride are nailed into the cross. God's people, we've always struggled with pride, and the Lord desires that we wouldn't. That's Micah 6, 8. Hey, you know the answer. You know the answer. Man, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. Do justly, that deals with our relationships with the word of God and our our walk uh, doing right. Uh, Love mercy has to do with our relationships with people. We'll see all this again in a few months. But then that last one, Walk humbly deals with your relationship with God. Hey, walk humbly before him. Live humbly before him. There's a number of passages that help us learn what it means to be humble, but tonight I want you to look to James chapter four. James chapter four, and we're gonna hit these points and we'll be done. James four, verse six, down through verse number 10. James chapter four, verse six, it says, but he giveth more grace. You just find it. I'm gonna read for time's sake. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves, therefore, or humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. When you go to James chapter 4, verse 6 through 10, and really, again, the whole passage, you find find a theme. A lot of people will go through this and say, well, it's just a bunch of different thoughts. No, there's a theme. There's an opening statement about this theme and a closing statement about this theme. What is the theme? Verse six and verse 10. What's verse six say? God gives grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Where's the closing of this particular part? Humble yourselves therefore, in the, or humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So there's, there's a thought going here. Here's, the, here's some keys. You want to walk humbly before God? You want to live humbly before him? Here's what you need to do. Notice this. This is some solutions to overcoming pride. All right, letter, letter number three, or letter, letter number three. Something number three, Roman numeral three. Solutions to overcoming pride. How do I do this? It's given to us in James 4. Letter A, submit to God. All right, one first key to humility, submit to God. The word submit is a military term. It means to arrange myself under. It means to realize I'm not the general. I'm not in charge. He is. There's submission there. When I submit, I am not saying I want to be lifted up. I'm saying I want you to be lifted up. All right, submit to God. Letter B, resist the devil. All right, how do I walk humbly? Resist the devil. When I am tempted to think highly of myself from my flesh or from some sort of temptation of Satan around me, I'm going to resist that. I'm going to fight that off. I have to continually be asking the Lord to help me see areas of pride in my life. And when the Lord shows me an area and the devil's trying to get me to follow pride, I'm going to resist that. Why? Because I want to walk humbly. How do I walk humbly? I submit to God. How do I walk humbly? I resist the devil. I get proud out of my life. I I don't allow the devil to use pride to work in my heart. I recognize that God, he gives me everything. And so Satan, you mean nothing in my life. You're not going to have any control. I submit to God. I resist the devil. Number three, letter C, I draw nigh to God. Verse eight, draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Can I just tell you tonight that one of the telling signs when you are getting in pride and you're allowing pride to slip into your life is you will find your walk with God becoming less important to you. 
Oh, you may still be in the Bible and you may still read the word of God. You may still pray. You may still be at church, but it becomes less important to you because you're walking in pride, because you're thinking, I, I can do this. I can handle this. I, I've got this. I've been doing Christianity forever. But the Lord says, draw nigh. You want to get pride out? Walk as a child of the light. What's the light do? It shines on sin. When I draw nigh to God, you know what he does? He shines light into my life and shows me, hey, here's an area of pride in your life. Pride, when when I'm walking in pride, I'm not drawing near to him. But when I'm wanting to walk in humility, draw nigh to God. Bring myself near him. Letter D, cleanse your life. Cleanse your life. Verse eight, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. This is uh, the understanding of, you know what, I'm gonna have a clean walk with God. And there's pride in my life. I've gotta confess sin. I've gotta get right with him. I'm gonna cleanse my life. Be a person that's continually asking the Lord to show me areas of pride and sin and then confess it. Man, 1 John chapter one is not written to the unbeliever. It's written to the believer. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Chapter number two, because we have an advocate. There's so much there in 1 John written to the believer. Hey, God speaks it, you get right with him. Now, all of these things, again, verse number six is the start. They culminate and they build to verse number 10. The key to overcoming pride, it's simple. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I used to pray a long time ago, and, and uh, until I really studied some of these thoughts out, I'd, I'd actually pray this. God, I pray that if there's any pride, that you'd humble me today. And I'd pray that. And I was sincere. Lord, I, if there's any pride in my life, I just pray that you'd humble me. Did you know what? You don't find that in the Bible. Oh, you find that God does humble people, but it's not when they're asking for it. I mean, they're asking for it, but not verbally asking for it. Now, you know what the Bible says continually? Humble yourself. God's not gonna force you down. Oh, there will be a day, and there might be an instance. There will be times. But for you to continually walk humbly before God, God says, I want you to do that. I want you to be responsible in your relationship with me, recognize you need me, and humble yourself. So many places in scripture that it was humble yourself before God. One man said it this way, humility was described as thinking less of yourself. This is incorrect. Humility is thinking of yourself less. I'm not thinking lower of myself, oh, poor me. I think, you know, I think I'll go eat worms. It's not not thinking lower of me. It's not thinking of me. If you find that you consume your thoughts, might be walking in pride. If you find that you're concerned about what you want all the time or often, you might be consumed with pride. If life might be about pleasing and, you, and, and, and uh, blessing you and encouraging you and you receiving what you think you deserve, you might be consumed. Why? Because you're consumed with thinking of you. You want help in your marriage, sir? Ma'am, you want help? Teenager, you want help? Stop thinking about you. Man, thinking of myself less. Humility is a choice. That's why we're encouraged all throughout Scripture, walk in humility. 
Micah 6.8, children of Israel, what are you doing? You know, so walk humbly. You already know the answer. Don't you know this? Hey, don't you know you're supposed to walk humbly? There's a question. Don't you know that? Don't you know your relationship with the Lord is supposed to be in humility? In the summer of 1986, two ships were traveling on the Black Sea right off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers on the ships at one point were thrown into the icy waters and hundreds of them died because these two ships crashed into each other. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. What was the cause of the accident? It wasn't a technology problem. It wasn't a radar malfunction. It wasn't thick fog. The pride was human, or excuse me, the cause was human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other ship in their line, and neither one of them moved. Finally, it was too late, and both of them tried to move and wrecked both ships, killing, I believe, over 400 people. Crazy story. Crazy story, and there's more to it. Both could have steered clear, but according to news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. You know what that tells us? Each was too proud to yield first. Pride, it can really, uh, it can hinder a lot of things. It could, pride can destroy a lot of things, can it? And pride can hinder some things. But I'll tell you one thing it's guaranteed to hinder, and it's this thought. Pride is guaranteed to hinder your walk with the Lord. Pride will hinder it. So receive the challenge and walk in humility. And remember the verse that we looked at a second ago, 1 Peter 5, 5. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace. You know what that grace word there is? Enabling strength. God gives enabling strength to the humble. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.